feel hard to find. Everyone standing tonight, he keeps me singing. 572. On the first now. There's within my heart a melody. Jesus whispers sweet and low. Fear not, I am with thee. Peace be still. In all of life's ebb and flow. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest Discord filled my heart with pain. Jesus swept across the broken strings, stirred the slumbering chords again. Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. Let's turn around, shake hands, and fellowship. Welcome our visitors. Amen. Coming back to welcome me, far beyond the starry 
Jesus Christ and all he means to us. Amen. I'm glad you're here tonight. Good to have the Beaker family visiting with us, missionaries of Canada. Good to have them with us tonight and others that are here. We appreciate all of you being in our midweek service. Let's pray now and ask the Lord to touch and to bless and to work in our hearts tonight and open our hearts to all the things that the Lord is doing for us. Roy Phelps, won't you lead us in prayer? Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. 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 Touch them, Lord. Amen. Let's continue to sing. Page 283, there's power in the blood. 283. Would you be free from the burden of sin? There's power in the blood. Wow. 
Said rushers, come forward to receive her offering. If you have any money left to give, what you give tonight goes to the Bible conference. And uh, Sunday, after we went back and counted everything, uh, we found out that our deacons, they don't do a good job counting, especially the new ones. And uh, so uh, actually our offering Sunday was uh, forty, just right at $40,000. So we praise the Lord for that. And uh, so we're going to send all the new deacons to a math class and teach them how to count. Say amen. amen. It makes you wonder how much they actually put in their pocket when they were counting. Uh, so, but anyway, it was a good day. We praise the Lord for uh, the portion of our need that was met on Sunday. And then, of course, if you come through the back, you know they have really gone to town this week. They have probably already stripped it out, emptied it out, and already starting to put new walls up. And it's exciting, all the things that are going on. And let me encourage you now to, anytime you want to give toward the building, uh, you can do that. And because just the Chester Joe Ash offering is just to give us a portion of meeting the needs and uh, reaching a goal, a certain part of it. But uh, any throughout the next few weeks, anytime you want to give something toward the building fund, it'll all go toward the overall cost of this. And uh, so you just mark your on your check or your envelope there how much is going to the building fund. If you use the regular tithing envelopes that we have here, there's a place on there that says building fund, and uh, you can mark that or just put chest or whatever. We'll know what it's for, and it'll go toward all the project there. But I encourage all of you over the next few months, if you come into an inheritance or whatever like that, still plenty enough time to give it. Amen? And if you win the lottery, we'll take it. Say amen. Uh, but anyway, we appreciate all of you that have given and will continue to give. Also, just let me mention a couple of things. Uh, if you are planning on uh, bidding in the golf tournament and, and have not turned in your entry forms, you need to do so. This is one of the ways that teenagers are raising uh, their funds to go to Youth Alive in Yatkinville, where Tim Lee is. And so if you are planning on playing in the tournament, you need to get your entry form in and uh, get that in by this week. They need to begin to get account for it. And also, we mentioned Tim Lee. I hope that all of you have marked your calendar and you're beginning to pray about it. We're just a couple of weeks away. And uh, Brother Tim will be here Sunday through Wednesday. And I've been wanting to get him back for a number of years. And June 10 through 13, a Sunday morning through a Wednesday night. And I want you to mark your calendar. Help us get the word out. Spread the word that Tim Lee will be here and be praying that the Lord will bless in a very special way. I hope that you're already praying. And I know it's in the summer months. We need revival just as much in the summer as any other time. Amen. And so let's really pray that the Lord will bless. Let's pray now. Everything you give goes toward the Bible conference. Father, thank you for all you're doing. We bless your name for the way you always prove yourself and how you meet needs. And we ask you, Lord, to continue to meet our needs here. We thank you, Lord, for all you're doing. Bless now the offering tonight in Jesus' name. Amen.
have a wonderful Lord to trust in. We don't have to trust in ourselves or our past or, or, or anything around us, but that we can trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us so much that he gave his life for us. Because of what he's done, no matter what's going on around us, we can say, it is well with my soul. believe that, don't you? Let's take our Bibles and turn to Exodus 25, and you have your little brochure where you can take notes as we continue our study tonight of the tabernacle. Tonight we're going to look at the table of showbread. 
While you're finding your place, let me encourage you to continue to pray about the property next door. I met with some of the county people today, and uh, Lord willing, nothing don't happen. It'll go before the school board next meeting. They meet tomorrow night, so we too couldn't get on the meeting tomorrow night. But the next month, they'll be meeting again. So uh, pray that everything will work out, which I believe that it will. I reminded them that years ago when they needed to get rid of this property next door that we took that off their hands a few years ago and I wanted them to remember that and think about it this time when uh, it came before them. But it looks good, so we want you to continue to pray. Let's stand as we honor the reading of His Word, Exodus 25. We're going to begin reading in verse 23. We're looking at the table of showbread. The table of showbread in our study of the tabernacle. Verse 23 and following. The scripture said, Thou shalt also make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. Thou shalt overlay it with pure gold, and make thereto a crown of gold round about. Thou shalt make unto it a border of a handbreadth round about, Thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. Thou shalt make it for, for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table. Thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood, and overlay them with gold, that the table may be born with them. Thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof to cover with all. A pure gold shalt thou make them. And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. Thank you. you. May be seated. Let's pray. And tonight we'll take just a little while to look at these verses of Scripture and just point out to you a few things about the table of showbread. Let's pray. Our Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we're so thankful that we can say it is well with our soul. We thank you, Lord, for the day that you bore our sins on Calvary's cross, carried our sins far away, never to be remembered again, and we thank you for that. And we thank you for the wonderful promise that you will come again. And we look forward and we look toward the hour that Jesus Christ will return to this earth. Now, Father, we thank you for our study. We thank you, Lord, for the things you have taught us, for the things we have seen about the Lord Jesus and the things we have sought to apply to our own lives. Help us, Lord, to live by the truths of God we learn from your word. Help us, Lord, to do more than just learn a few things, but may we learn to live the things that we learn. So, Father, speak to us tonight, and we'll thank you and we'll praise you for it is. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We have some of our Awana people joining us tonight. Of course, the Awana is taking their summer break. And so I'll just remind all of you where we have been, bring all of you up to date to where we are tonight. We began several weeks ago looking at the, at the tabernacle in the wilderness. And we began by just kind of giving an overview of the whole thing. And then we began to look at it in detail by detail by detail. We looked at the outer court and if you can see somewhere upon the background there, you'll see that fence-like thing and the area within that fence that is what is called the outer court. 
We noticed the outer court and we saw how on the east end and the only entrance into the tabernacle was on the east end. We looked at the outer court and the entrance. Once you walk inside, if you were to walk inside the entrance of the tabernacle, the first thing that would get your attention was the brazen altar. We spent a Wednesday night looking at the brazen altar. As you walked past the brazen altar, you would come to the brazen laver. The altar was where all the sacrifices were offered to God. As you came past the brazen altar, you would come to the brazen laver. And this is where the priests would cleanse themselves before they entered into the tabernacle itself. We went by and we considered the brazen altar and the brazen laver. And then as we came to the tabernacle, the word tabernacle literally means a tent and is that structure on the west end of the outer court that you see. And we began looking at it in parts. We began by looking at the coverings and the curtains. These are the uh, tents or the coverings that are placed over the top of the tabernacle and they drape down to the side. There was two inner coverings that we called curtains or the Bible calls curtains and two outer coverings that the Bible calls coverings, curtains and coverings to distinguish between the two and we looked at those four items. Then we went on the inside and we began to look at the hangings. The Bible calls them hangings. Really they are the entrances, uh, the entrance to the tabernacle itself and the divider that is called a veil. We spent a Wednesday night looking at those two matters. Then last Wednesday night, we began to look at the items that are found within the tabernacle itself. We saw the two items or the three items in the outer court, the altar, or the two items, the altar and the laver. And then as you move inside, we saw that there are, notice made mention that there were three items inside the holy place. The tabernacle itself is divided into two rooms. The first room is called the most holy place. The second room behind the veil is the most holy place. In the first room, the holy place, we saw there were three items. And we saw that there is a table of showbread, which we'll look at tonight. There was a golden candlestick that we looked at last Wednesday night and an altar of incense that we'll look at next Wednesday night. But we saw there are three items. We're going to look tonight at the table of showbread. The golden candlestick that we looked at last week, if you were to walk on the inside of the tabernacle, would be on the left side or the south side as the instructions are given. The table is showbread that we're going to look at tonight. If you were to step on the inside, you would see immediately to your right or to the north side of the tabernacle. You'll find as you look in the scriptures that the table of showbread is identified different ways in the Bible. Of course, it is called a table of showbread. Here in our text in Exodus 25, verse 33, is called a table of shittim wood. In Leviticus 24, verse 6, it is called the pure table. Exodus 39, 36, it is simply referred to as the table. And then in 1 Kings 7, in Solomon's temple, which was the permanent building that replaced the uh, uh, tabernacle itself, it was called the table of gold. But I want us to look at it tonight. I'm just going to point out a few things from our scripture and then sum it all up by what it all means to us. Let's begin by noticing the description of the table that we have in our text. In verses 23 through 30 of chapter 25, we are given a description of the table of showbread. Let's look at each verse and just point a few things out. Notice with me, first of all, in verse 23. Exodus chapter 25, verse 23. The Bible said, Thou shalt also... Make a table of shittim wood. Two cubits shall be the length thereof, and a cubit the breadth thereof, and a cubit and a half the height thereof. In verse 23, we are told that the 
table of showbread was made of shittim wood, which was also known as acacia wood, which was a very, very endurable type word indigenous to the desert area in those days. as a flat top type tree covered with thorns, but a very, very hard wood, very endurable wood. Verse 23 tells us that it was made of shittim wood. Also, you find in verse 23 that it gives us the measurements of the ark, or not the ark, but the table of showbread. Verse 23 tells us that it was two cubits long, it was one cubit wide, and it was a cubit and a half high. Now, you remember in one of our early studies when we talked about measurements, we saw that the word cubit comes from a word that means from the elbow down, which is roughly about 18 inches. And they would measure in those days, they'd say, that, that's a cubit long. That's what the cubit means. So when you talk about a measurement of cubit, you're talking about something about 18 inches. So when you consider 18 inches per cubit, then you realize that the table of showbread was three foot long. It was a foot and a half wide. And it was two foot three inches high. So it's not a very big item. It's not a very tall item. Not a very large item. Just again, just three foot long. Is a foot and a half wide, one foot six inches wide, two foot three inches high. It's because it was so low, in order for one to partake of the bread, we'll point this out later, you had to kneel at this particular table to eat from the table. Verse 23 tells us what it was made of and tells us its measurements. Verse 24, the Bible said, And thou shalt overlay it with pure gold and make thereto a crown of gold round about it. Verse 24 tells us that not only was it made of shittim wood, but it was also overlaid with pure gold. We saw last week that the word pure indi indicates that it is gold that has gone through the refining process. All the impurities have been brought out. But it was overlaid with pure gold. Verse 24 also tells us that there was a crown of gold round about the top of the table that circled the table. Like a decorative type work. Uh, there, you look at your picture there in your, bullet, in your brochure that's given to you and you kind of get an ideal there. That's one artist's rendering of what the table of showbread may have looked like. Unfortunately, we do not have it and uh, whatever. And so we don't know exactly what it looked like, but that is one artist's rendering of what it may appear. But it was like a crown. If you can imagine decorative work at the very top of the table, then this crown that come up and went all the way around it, all this decorative work at the top. A solid piece of gold or a piece of gold, this crown made of gold. Verse 25. Not only do you find that it had a crown around it, but verse 25 we read, And thou shalt make unto it a border of a handbreadth round about, and thou shalt make a golden crown to the border thereof round about. Not only did it have a, a crown around the very top, on the top edge there, but just below it somewhere was a border that was about four and a half inches wide. And it was placed somewhere just beneath the border. And the Bible tells us this border also was like a crown, meaning that it was shaped in the form of a crown or had a ridge like a crown, we might say. Most believe that the crown at the top, which would be on the edge of the table, would keep things, were to protect the things that were on the table so nothing could slide off the table. If you can imagine a flat table here and this crown comes up much like a tray. If you can imagine a tray that you carry things in has the build up of the crown around the edge. The table is much like the same way. 
And most believe that the crown was to protect things from sliding off the top of the table. And many believe that the border, which was a little bit lower, it was the same way it came out. And that's where they laid the utensils that were used in the service of the table of showbread. And we'll point out those utensils in just a little while. But both of these were made of gold. Notice verse 26. The Bible said, And thou shalt make for it four rings of gold, and put the rings in the four corners that are on the four feet thereof. Verse 26 tells us that on each corner was a gold ring that was attached to the legs of the table. On each leg now, and again you can see it on your picture if you look at it closely, you see on the corner of the table attached to each leg was a gold ring. Verse 27 and verse 28 describes the purpose of those rings. For we read in verse 27, Over against the border shall the rings be for places of the staves to bear the table. And thou shalt make the staves of shittim wood and overlay them with gold that the table may be born with them. Again, verse 27, 28 describes what these rings were for. It describes how that they were used to slide staves through. They were used to slide staves, or we might say a pole through, by which the table was carried. And these staves were always inside those rings, making it a portable table. They would cover it, but the priest and different ones would just uh, pick it up and carry it as they moved from place to place by place. We find in verse 26 and 20, uh, verse 27, 28, that they were also these staves or poles were also made of shit and wood, and they were overlaid with pure gold as well. Look at verse 29. The Bible said, And thou shalt make the dishes thereof, and spoons thereof, and covers thereof, and bowls thereof, to cover withal of pure gold shalt thou make them. Verse 29 describes the utensils that were used at the table. That is, the instruments or the utensils that were used in the ministry or the service of the table of showbread. It mentions about four items there. It talks about the dishes. The dishes were by which the bread was carried to the table and they were kept on the table. A dish, just might like we would think of a dish, but a dish that was made of gold. And not only mentions the dishes by which the bread was carried to the table and by which the bread was kept on the table, but it also makes reference to spoons. Now, when you think of a spoon, when we think of a spoon, or when you read in what the Bible talks about a spoon, don't think of a spoon as we think of. It's not a spoon whereby you uh, cut the bread with or ate the bread with or whatever there. The, word, the spoon that is talked about here, the spoons that are spoken of, were actually hollow vessels of gold that had incense in them. They were not for eating with. They were incense holders, spoons. Again, little hollow vessels that the incense was kept in. And we'll mention in a moment what the incense was for. It not only mentioned the spoons, for as the priests would sit at the table and eat, or as they would come before the table for eating, they would burn incense. But it also mentions the bowls and coverings. The bowls and coverings. Uh, we might think of a bowl uh, like you put things in and a covering like being a lid to it. Similar, but yet it had a different purpose. The bowls and the coverings contained wine. And it was wine that was used as a drink offering. It was used in connection with the table. And as they would 
eat the bread at the table of showbread, burn the incense, then they would pour out a drink offering unto the Lord. That's what the Hebrews would call an oblation. And it was part of the service and part of the ministry and part of the worship as they went through this particular stage there. So the bowl was much like a cup in our ideal and our, the way we would think and the covering so forth is like lids to those cups, but then it was wine that was poured out before the Lord. And again, verse 30 or verse 29 makes it clear that all of these instruments and all these vessels were made of pure gold. I've tried to picture my mind over the past few weeks as we have been looking at the tabernacle. Can you imagine what it must have been like to have walked into the room and everything is basically gold. We've got all this beautiful embroidery work, embroidered work above you and around you and everything. And here's this beautiful uh, golden candlestick that we looked at last uh, Wednesday night. We saw an estimate today's gold prices would cost around $600,000. And here's this bright, beautiful golden candlestick. Here's a gold table and everything in there is gold. Uh, you can... Imagine what it must have looked like. But anyway, verse 30, the Bible said, And thou shalt set upon the table showbread before me always. He not only describes the table itself and how the table is designed and the instruments that are used, but he tells us in verse 30, he makes reference to the showbread that was placed upon the table. This is the bread that was placed on the table and found on the table. Now, the word showbread, or the name showbread itself, literally means bread of the faces. Showbread. To show something. To declare something. Literally meaning bread of the faces. That it was to symbolize. It's like two people coming together and looking upon one another. Showbread. Declaring. Telling forth. We'll point out in a moment what it means, the table is showbread. But it was called the bread of God in Leviticus 21 and verse 21. You find in other places in the Bible that there were 12 loaves of bread on the table. It was bread on the table, bread on the table always, all, at all times, verse 30 tells us. There was 12 loaves of bread that sat on this table at every moment. There's never a moment there was not bread on the table. 12 loaves of bread... One loaf of bread for each tribe. There were 12 tribes, so there were 12 loaves of bread. And the bread was set in two rows of six. So if you were to walk in, if you were to look to the right, here's a gold table, about three foot long, about two and a half feet high, and so we're like that. And you would see over there 12 loaves of bread. One, two, three, four, five, six. One, two, three, four, five, six, put in a row, each one representing one of the tribes of the children of Israel. You find in other places that the loaves were what the Bible called ringed shape or round, and they were perforated. They referred to another place in the Bible as pierced cakes. Again, they were round, they were cooked in little round loaves, not like a loaf of bread we might think of, but little round cakes is what they were, and they were perforated. In the book of Leviticus, we also learn that the showbread was made from fine flour, two-tenths fine flour, that is wheat, that it was ground into a powder, and it was baked into a cake or baked into a little loaf. You'd also find in Leviticus 24 and verse 7 that there was frankincense at or placed upon each row. 
So he mentioned the spoons a while ago that kept the incense, frankincense in it. At every one of these loaves of bread, there was a spoon. There was where the frankincense was kept, and it was constantly burning as the bread was being ate, part of the process of the ministry within there. There was always bread on the table, but they changed the bread out every Sabbath morning. Always bread. Never the, the table was never empty. When they were going to change the bread, they would simply reach down, pick up one cake, and immediately lay the other one down. Bread was always on the table, but they changed the bread out every Sabbath morning. Every Saturday the morning, every Saturday morning, the bread was changed. Verses 23 through 30 give you those details about the table of showbread. And I hope that you learn a little bit about it and have a better idea uh, what the table of showbread uh, really look like and what it is. Now let me just wrap it all up tonight by talking about the symbolism of the table. There is a description of the table given to us in verses 23 through 30. But what does it all symbolize? You remember in the very beginning when we started looking at the tabernacle, we said that the tabernacle was an object lesson. Everything about it was designed by God to say something about God. It's not one detail, whether it be in color, size, number, whatever there, that does not have a message in it. It was God's object lesson on earth. It is something that he wanted to say through the tabernacle. It was something that he wanted to reveal in the tabernacle. It had to do with his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. For this was a place where offerings were sacrificed. Everything about it pointed to the Lord Jesus Christ and something to do with his work and the giving of his life. And we saw that everything we've looked at had something to say about Jesus Christ. Well, let me just point out a few things about the table itself and what it symbolized. Take the materials. The shittim wood and the gold would speak of both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ. The pure gold, the shittim wood, the humanity and divinity of Jesus Christ. Wood in the Bible is always a type of humanity. Wood in the Bible is always a type of man. Gold is a type of deity. It's that which is associated with a king. Deity. So when you have a table that is made of wood, overlaid with gold, it is symbolizing that Jesus Christ was both man and he was God. The humanity and the divinity of Jesus Christ. We've looked at these verses uh, several times, right? I've referred to them. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. Who was the Word? Jesus Christ. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's the deity of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ was not a God. He was the God. Like uh, you get the Jehovah Witness Bible, it talks about in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. No, He wasn't God. He was God. But verse 14, John 1 said, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The Word dwelt, literally tabernacled among us. You see, He was man, but He was God. He was the God-man. The wood and the gold would symbolize His humanity and His divinity. The table resting on four legs, the Bible calls them feet, our text does, the table resting on four legs speaks of Christ in His risen glory. You see, here is the table. It is on the ground, but it's above the ground. And Christ, it would symbolize how Christ was on this earth, put into the earth, but He came out of the earth in resurrection. 
Jesus Christ died for our sins is symbolized all through the tabernacle. Was buried. But thank God he rose again the third day. He, is he, he was raised from the dead and he is risen in all of his glory. Two crowns we mentioned were on there. There's a crown around the top edge of the table and then somewhere below it there's this nut. there was a second crown that went around it, a border as the Bible called. The two crowns speak of the two-fold crowning of Jesus Christ. The Bible describes Christ being crowned in two ways. The Bible describes in the Gospels how that he was crowned with a crown of thorns. But it also describes how that not only was he crowned with a crown of thorns, but he was crowned with glory and honor. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 7 and 9 tells us. He came to this earth as man. He was crowned with thorns. But he was raised from the dead and crowned with glory and honor. The first time he came, they crucified him. But I promise you the next time he comes, there won't be no cross. He'll come back in all of his glory and he'll come back in all of his majesty. Amen? But he was crowned with thorns and crowned with glory and honor. Some writers I have read after over the past few weeks suggest that the two crowns would represent that he is head of both creation and the church. And that is true. Jesus Christ is the head of all the earth, but he's head of the church as well. The utensils we made reference to those and the, the spoons and the spoons and dishes and covers and bowls thereof. They would speak of Christ as a divine vessel through which the will of God was fulfilled. A vessel, an instrument, that which is used in service. Jesus Christ was the divine vessel. The gold would represent his deity, but yet he was a vessel. He said, I have come to do my Father's will. For this cause I came in the world, he told Pilate. He came to do the will of God, a vessel to carry out the will of God. God might redeem man. The rings and the stays, the rings on each corner, and the stays, the poles that went through those rings to carry it, would speak of his perpetual presence with the believer. You see, the rings and the stays were to make the table portable so that it could be taken anywhere, go anywhere. It would symbolize that Jesus Christ is with us no matter where we are, no matter where we go. He is with us. And I'm glad that he is, aren't you? Aren't you? That's a little better. And uh, he is with us tonight. He is with us. But then the bread itself, the show bread, the, the wheat that is ground into powder and then baked into a little cake would be and remind us that Jesus Christ is the bread of life. John talks about Jesus in one of his great I am statements, which we're going to look at one of these days. Jesus said, I am the bread of life which cometh down from heaven. Now, what does all of it mean to the believer? We go back to the beginning and we talked about the tabernacle. If you remember in the very beginning, we said there was only one way to get in the tabernacle. That's on the east end, one gate, one doors all around it. You go anywhere you want to know. There's only one way to get in there. If you didn't go in that way, you didn't get in. And when you came through that one entrance, you immediately came to the altar. We saw in the very beginning that the tabernacle itself represented for the believer that there is only one way to God. It's not a dozen ways. We're not all going down our own little highway, eventually going up the same direction. 
We're all, if we're going to get to God, we're going to go to heaven. There's not but one way. And that's through Jesus Christ and his death on Calvary's cross. I know in our day of being political, politically correct, you can't say there's one way. It's going to offend this group. We're going to offend this bunch over here. But I want you to listen to me tonight. I don't care what anybody else says, what the Muslims say, what the Jews say. If I hardly fall off, it's not but one way to get to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ. You've got to be born again. And the only way of your fellowship getting to God is coming through the one entrance and coming by the altar in the death of Jesus Christ. Well, after that, we went over to the laver. That's a place of cleansing. And we saw that in the very beginning of the Christian life, after we come to God through faith in Jesus Christ, we've got to learn how to live right. And you have to learn how to live clean as we begin to move in a direction where God dwells in the most holy place. We learn to live a separated life. We learn to live a clean life, being clean before God. No priest dare enter into the tabernacle itself without going through the procedure of cleansing. Cleanse his hands and cleanse his, cleanse his feet. His hands symbolized his service, that his work had to be right. His feet symbolized his walk. And his, he, in his life and his walk had to be clean. Before you ever thought about going into there where God was, you had to come through Christ and you had to be clean. If I have sin in my life, I'm not going to get in the presence of God. I'm not going to enjoy the presence of God if there are things in my heart that is not right. Well, if you come by the laver, then you can go inside. Of course, in those days, or the, the priest, anyone could come in the outer court, but only priests could go into the holy place itself, and only the high priest could go into the most holy place. Well, we've been made priests. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that we've been made priests unto God. So we come in the holy place. We're getting in there into the presence of the Lord. And when we come in there, of course, there is the light, the, the candlestick on the side there, representing our union with Christ and our uh, connection with Christ. And He is our source. But you move over here to the right, over here's the candle, over here's the table. And you come over here to the table of showbread. The table of showbread speaks of our fellowship with Christ. It's a table. Like sitting down as we might as a family, sit down together at the table. We sit down, there's fellowship. We say, well, let's have a little fellowship. What do we mean to have a little fellowship? Well, what we mean by that is you take me to Shoney's and buy me dinner. That's what we mean when we talk about have fellowship. Is that not right? Amen. And so fellowship, a table speaks of fellowship. The table of showbread speaks of the fellowship that the believer has with Jesus Christ. We can live in fellowship and enjoy fellowship with Him. That's what we want. Amen. We've been redeemed. We want to live clean before God that we might enter into the holy place that we might have fellowship with Jesus Christ. Now, what is this fellowship all about? Well, you take the drink offering. I mentioned the bowls and the covers there. They held the wine. As the priest would come in in part of his worship, every day in the holy place, he would kneel before that little table and he would take a bite of that bread and eat that bread and worship to God the incense would burn and, over, and they carried the incense later and put it in the altar of incense that we'll look at next week. And that rose up as a sweet savor to God. 
But as he knelt before that little table there and partook of that bread, which symbolized being in fellowship with God, he would pour out that wine as a drink offering to the Lord. That in the presence of God, there was an act of worship. That when you come into his presence, that you come into his presence to worship him. You see, being in the presence of God is much more. And we were a generation, we think about when we come into God's presence, boy, I want God to show up. And really what we're saying is, I want God to show up because when he shows up, I'm going to get something out of it. And when he shows up, we will get something out of it. It'll bless us to death. Our hearts will be stirred and our hearts will be moved when we get in the presence of God. But getting the presence of God is not so much what it does for us as what we do for God. That we get into His presence that we might worship Him. Where the priest would take of the bread, feeding of the food for the priests. Of course, that would symbolize our feeding on Christ and feeding on the Word of God. A little table two and a half foot high to eat, to eat at the table would mean that you would the priest had to kneel on his knees before that table in his acts of worship and service and ministry at that little table there. And it just reminds us that as we come in the presence of God, that we come in the presence of God in humility. The truth of the matter is tonight, not a one of us deserve the right to enjoy fellowship with God. Not a one of us. You say, oh, but Brother Cam, I'm a pretty good fella. You're pretty good, but you still should have went to hell. I should have went to hell. We all should have went to hell. And the fact that I can walk with God and I can live in His presence and talk to God is an amazing thing. And I realize that we all ought to realize that we come and it's all because of what Jesus did for us. Not who we are and what we've done, what Christ has done. And we come into His presence in humility, recognizing that we don't deserve to be there. There were 12 cakes. I mentioned to give you this one through. 12 cakes. On that table, there was one cake for each tribe. See, every tribe was represented in fellowship with God. Every tribe, every person of that tribe was represented in those 12 cakes. As a believer, I want you to understand something tonight, that enjoying the presence of God and being in fellowship with God and living in the presence of God is not reserved for a few select few in the family. You say, I'm not a preacher. You don't have to be a preacher to enjoy God's presence. I'm not a missionary. I'm not a Sunday school teacher. You don't have to be. Are you saved? Been born again? If you've been born again, then you have the privilege of being in fellowship with God, enjoying the presence of the Lord. Amen? Where there was bread always on the table. Never a moment there wasn't bread on that table, even when they transported. When God would move them from camp to camp, they'd cover that table up and the priest would carry the table as well as the other items in there never took the bread off there, reminding them that they could continually live in fellowship with God. And we may abide in Him, allow nothing to break our fellowship with God. That's how I want to live. Amen? I want to live in the presence of the Lord. Take your prayer sheet for our prayer requests tonight. Look at them. Let's remember our church of the week, our missionary of the week, and our hospital list. Our missionary of the week is David and Wendy Clow. This is one of the newer families with our church. And I really love David and Wendy, and if you haven't got to know them yet, uh, the more you get to know them, the more you're going to love them, and they're just beginning their deputation, so we really want to pray for them and just ask the Lord to uh, bless them and help them to raise their support.
encourage all the classes, if you have not had them in your class, get them in there. It's just a, a real special couple. You'll love them. David and Wendy, let's pray for them tonight and pray that God will bless them. Our Church of the Week is Sequoia Baptist Tabernacle where Brother David Stansel's at. And uh, they're in revival this week. Brother Hare is there, so we want to pray for them tonight in a special way. So let's pray, Brother David. We all love Brother David, Brother Hare, former pastor here. Appreciate him. And want to lift all of these up and ask the Lord to touch them. Our hospital list, Alex is still at Health South. At rehab, Jesse Morton is at Memorial Hospital. I want to pray for Jesse. She has uh, some type of very contagious uh, infection or something. And they're not sure what it is. They've tried everything to do it. It's two types that she has. She is very, very contagious. So they, uh, to really encourage everybody when you go, you have to wear garments and all that kind of stuff to go in. So we really did pray for Jesse because uh, everything they've tried, nothing has been able to touch it at this point. And they really don't know what it is. So let's remember Jesse. Dale Domer has uh, pneumonia. And I want to pray for Dale and lift him up. He's doing much better. He had to go in Sunday afternoon, but let's pray for Dale. And then Eva DeBoard is at Siskins Hospital recovering from her hip surgery. And then also a note at the bottom, uh, Missy McKinney and the death of her grandmother. Let's remember these and be praying for them. All of you that will, let's come just gather around the altar. Let's pray for Sunday. Pray the Lord touches Memorial Weekend. I know that uh, many, maybe some of you are planning on being gone over the weekend, but let's pray and everybody work now to keep folks coming and not have the summer slump, but just keep on working and never stopping and not letting up. Tomorrow night is the last night of faith, our spring semester. It's been 16 weeks, and I want many of you to be praying about becoming a part of faith in the fall. We start in August again. Our, we are fourth semester, our second semester of this year. And, but tomorrow night is the final night for all those in faith. And it's been a phenomenal semester. But to remember them, uh, we call it a quiz so it don't sound too bad. But really it's a big exam they have tomorrow night. So remember them. It's an hour-long exam. So pray for them and that God will help them there. But they'll breeze right through it. You know how smart they are. And all of them, they got it all memorized. All of it. But uh, that's tomorrow night. But many of you pray about becoming part of faith. I promise you, you'll love it. It'll change your life if you'll get a, become a part of it. We pray for all those things. Let's come. Let's gather around the altar. Let's pray now for God to keep on working, for God to keep on moving. We rejoice in what He's doing around here, the things that are happening. Let's pray that God keep on moving in these things. Let's pray again for our mission of the week, our church of the week. Father, in the lovely name of Jesus Christ, as we gather before you tonight, we come to offer our thanksgiving and praise to you. Father, we do want to live in the presence of God. We want to live in fellowship with you. Father, what a joy it is to be able to just to, every moment of our life, just to talk with you as we would talk with a friend. And for you to be as real to us as that friend would be. We thank you, Lord, that we can live in the holy place and we have fellowship with you unbroken fellowship father many times our fellowship is broken because of things in our life that are not wrong but father we want to live and abide with you and enjoy the presence of the lord nothing like it we thank you we're undeserving of it but thank you lord that you would let us have fellowship with you so we come before you tonight to offer our drink offering to you to pour our heart in worship to you, to stand in awe of who you are and what you do for us. So accept our worship.
and our praise and our thanksgiving tonight. Father, we pray for our missionary of the week. Pray for David and Wendy. We thank you, Lord, for sending them to our church, for letting them, allowing them to be a part of our family, and for our many missions, missionaries. We pray for them, Lord. As they're beginning their deputation, we pray that you would open doors. Father, I pray that you'd open hearts and the pastors and churches that be able to get in. Then as they present their work, that the churches will catch the burden for them. And Father, take them on and support them. I know their desires to be in Brazil. And I pray, Lord, that you would bless them, provide for them. And I pray you would raise their support, increase their support. May they be amazed at how you provide for them. We pray, Lord, for Sequoia Baptist Tabernacle, Brother David. We thank you for David and Jerry. Pray you bless him. Father, I pray you help him as he recovers from surgery on his foot. Be with him this week in revival. Thank you for Brother Hare. I pray you touch him and fill him with the Holy Spirit. And use him this week as he preaches there. But give them a good meeting. I pray the Spirit of God will move and stir them in a glorious way. Then for those in the hospital, in our special request tonight on our prayer sheet, for each one of them, we lift them up to you that you would touch them and meet their need. Father, we ask you to continue to bless here. Thank you, Lord, for meeting needs on Sunday and for uh, the good offering and how the big part of our need, a large portion of our need was met. We ask you, Lord, to continue to meet the need. We've been overwhelmed and amazed at all the things you've done for us in recent days. We pray, Lord, that we will be able to get to property next door. I ask you, Lord, that everything will fall in place. Thrilling to see how you're working there. We ask your Lord to bless as it goes before the school board that it will be voted and approved. We pray for that. For everything that's going on, Lord, continue to bless. Continue to meet needs here on Sunday. May the power of God be here. Father, as we continue learning to pray the prayer of Jabez, we pray, Lord, that you would bless us indeed and that you would enlarge our coast, expand our opportunities to serve you. May we see what we've never seen before and may we do what we've never done before. May we be what we've never been before. And Father, teach us Sunday how to seek the hand of God in our lives. For these things we pray for. God, take this place and use it. God, use us. May we become instruments in your hands to do your work here in this community, in this area. Father, in many churches around us, dying and closed their doors. We thank you, Lord, that the hand of God has been good to us here. Blessed us and left us here on this boulevard to be a light, not only in this area, but even throughout the whole area. Continue to bless. Give us hearts of gratitude and hearts that are hungry for your power, for your blessings. So touch us now. Thank you again for all you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Are you glad you're saved tonight? Say amen. Be sure to shake hands one with another as you leave. Fellowship, let our visitors know. The mission fam missionary family, be sure to introduce yourself to them and others. You're dismissed. Be back on Sunday.